0: Today is World Suicide Prevention Day. I don't know if you know this, but every year, approximately 700,000 people die from suicide. And in recent years, there's been a real push to raise awareness to that. So I don't want to talk about that specifically today, but I did want you to know that this is the day that it's recognized. One of the things that research has shown is that there's a corollary relationship between loneliness and suicide. Not that loneliness is the cause of much of it, but it's a contributing factor. And we live in a world where people are increasingly feeling lonely. And we have the wonderful opportunity to do something about it. When I talk about being lonely, I am not talking about um, being alone, and loneliness is not the same as isolation, because you can have a room full of people, and someone in the middle of it can feel incredibly lonely, and similarly, you can have someone that is completely by themselves and isolated who has no issue with feeling lonely. So what do we mean when we talk about loneliness? What is loneliness? I'm sure you know what it feels like, but when it comes to describing it, how do you describe loneliness? It is the feeling we get when our need for social connection and relationship is not being met. Loneliness is the feeling that we get when our need for social connection and relationship is not being met. In 2022, a survey was done uh, about this very topic in Canada, and I'd like to walk you through some of the statistics that they have produced around this idea of loneliness. And this is what the one thing that scientists are discovering. When you are lonely for extended periods of time, like a chronic loneliness, it actually affects the parts of your brain that help you make social connection. And what that means is sometimes you might might meet someone who seems socially awkward and they've been lonely for a long time, and it actually affects the parts of the brain that make it easier for us to connect with people. So before you're too hard on somebody who seems maybe a little bit awkward, understand that it actually may be chemistry that's contributing to that. And I think it's good for us to know that and to be aware of that. Let's walk through some of the stats that came out of this 2022 survey from StatsCan. 25% of respondents felt moderate to severe anxiety, partly due to loneliness. In Canada, 2022, those who are aged 18 to 39 years old, 33.5% struggle with anxiety, 29.1% feel lonely, 27.7% are wrestling with depression, In 2021, more than 40% of Canadians who were part of this survey felt lonely some or all of the time, and it's more severe for people who live alone. Doctors will say that loneliness increases your risk of illness and premature death, that loneliness is as bad for you as smoking or obesity. How are you feeling? We're going somewhere with this. What does this mean for our family right here, this community? What do these stats mean? Let me bring this home so it's more specific for you. That means that in this room today, one in four people have moderate to severe anxiety. One in three people who are under 40 are likely struggling with depression, anxiety, or loneliness. Nearly half of the people in this room feel lonely more than you would like to. We need to stop the stigma around anxiety, depression, and loneliness. And we have an invitation to do something about a pandemic that has been happening for decades, long before COVID. And we are being invited to be a beacon of light and warmth and love and hope for those who are struggling with feeling lonely. This is not theory. This is reality, probably for you, Or at least quite a few of the people that you know and love. And I'm excited because it's an opportunity for us to actually step into a void and make some tangible difference. People are lonely. So now is the need for us more than ever. And over the next four weeks, we are going to be talking about the need for us, not you, not me, us. For us to be much more than just welcoming, but to be including and to be creating a sense of belonging for every person in the room. To be much more than just nice, but to be accepting of everyone who is in the room we have this incredible opportunity that is sitting right in front of us it is not an accident that we put the bouncy castles out front today by the way are they up great great (laughs) i said to them once this morning happens it's on you guys figure it out we're creating... I know, it's funny, isn't it? Whoever laughed, thank you. That's brilliant. We have this opportunity that is right in front of us to be a kind of community that screams out a sense of belonging for everyone. And I want to tell you this morning about one person in the early church who understood this so well. His name was Joseph Joseph but he had a nickname. His nickname was Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Barnabas. And this guy was so good at community that they actually nicknamed him son of encouragement. Wow. You know, that is so much better than Pastor Paul. Like Barnabas. This guy is a son of encouragement. And I'd like to just walk us through a few places in the book of Acts in the New Testament where we're introduced to Barnabas. Uh, he is not a powerhouse leader in the early church. If you're familiar with the early church and its history, you may not be. There are some key people. Much like in any epic of history, there are certain people that stand out. So there's a guy named Paul who was a, a powerhouse leader in the early church. There's a guy named Peter. There's a guy named James. A guy named John. A guy named Timothy. These are notable figures. Barnabas is not one of them, but we do hear about him several times. Kind of, he's in the background, but he is profoundly influential in what happens in the early church. So in Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 4 is where we kind of first come across this guy. The early church, Jesus has risen from the dead. These early people who were there and, and witnessed the resurrected Jesus, they begin to form community. These are Jewish people, they're very religious, but now something's happening and they're, they're talking more and more about the resurrected Jesus. And it's not just about Moses. Now everything is focused on Jesus. And they're forming this new community and this new community is developing and organizing and growing and the needs are continuing to increase like would happen any time a community grows. And then we're introduced to Barnabas, because the needs are getting more and more and more, and we read this. There was Joseph, one of the apostles, nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi. He came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned, and he brought the money to the apostles. He sold real estate, took the money from the real estate, brought it to this early community of disciples, and said, Here, this is to help us create community. This is for us. Because people need us so profoundly. And he made this incredible sacrifice to sell land. And give the money to the community so they could help create a sense of belonging because what they did was they used it to care for needs barnabas was simply following the example of jesus jesus who said love your neighbor like you love who yourself and love your enemy be like the good samaritan jesus said Take care of your neighbor. Barnabas was simply living out the teaching and the way that Jesus lived. He was following Jesus. and he made sacrifices like Jesus did. So here's the question: What if we did that too? What if God was asking you to make a sacrifice so that everyone could have this sense of belonging? He's probably not asking you to sell your house. But he might be asking you to make a small sacrifice of time or the cost of a cup of coffee so that you could communicate to somebody that they have value, that they matter, that they belong. Barnabas understood the need for us. Okay, jump over a few chapters. Chapter 9. Chapter 9, I mentioned this guy named Paul. He was also known as Saul. He had two names, Saul or Paul. Um, It just comes off the lips nicely, Paul. It's, It's great. It's just a great name. So Paul was a leader in the Jewish community. He was actually like what you would call a zealot, a fanatic. And actually, when the early Christian movement begins, he is entirely opposed to it, to the point that he is running around looking for christians to arrest persecute and even execute and you can read in acts chapter 8 he is present when one of the leaders in the in the christian movement is executed and paul's there like yes good hit him again paul has an experience with jesus that blows him out of the water and completely turns this world upside down the jesus he was trying to stop people from following is now infiltrating his life and and turning him inside out, transforming him. And Paul, who is persecuting Christians, becomes a Christian. And then he's like, oh, I need to be part of this community. So he does what any normal person would do. Where are the Christians gathering? I want to go and be there with them. So Paul tries to figure out where the Christians are gathering, and guess what the Christians do? They freak out. Wouldn't you? We don't trust him. This is a scheme. He's trying to infiltrate us. And this is going to kill us all. And so, if you go to Acts chapter 9, this is what you're going to read. Verse 26, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, or Paul, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. I don't think we can blame them. They didn't believe he had truly become a believer. And then, guess who? Barnabas. Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of, or in Damascus, in Jesus' name in Damascus. Nobody will give him the time of day because of what he has done this isn't just a shady character this is a guy who is infamous for running around killing christians and now he's trying to become one of them and nobody will have anything to do with him except this guy named joseph who's nicknamed the son of encouragement barnabas and he goes to saul and he gets to know saul and he says come with me and barnabas brings him into the community barnabas takes this incredible risk for his own life And whether you like it or not, Barnabas is willing to risk the Christian community because he believes that what's happening in Saul is authentic. And he brings him to the disciples, to this group of Christians, and he says, we need to accept this guy. We need to take the risk. And it leaves me wondering, who is it that God might be asking you to take a risk on? jump ahead a couple chapters. Barnabas has done this incredible risk with Paul. The early Christian movement started in Jerusalem, and it spread out concentrically, and it went north to a city called Antioch, which is kind of in modern-day Syria. So if you're in Jerusalem geographically, just go straight north, head towards the Mediterranean a little bit, and you'll come to the city of Antioch. And there's an early Christian movement happening there, and they're exploding, and they need to organize, and they're not quite sure how to do it, because doing community is actually difficult. It takes a lot of work. And the church in Jerusalem that's ahead of them in the game, because they've had time to organize, says, we need to send them some people to help. Who can help create community? Who do you think they sent? You know the answer to this question. They sent Barnabas. So go to Acts chapter 11. Look at verse 22. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. And then this, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. And Barnabas had something to do with that. Christian literally means little Christ. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, the idea is that you become more like Jesus. That's what we call discipleship. Barnabas had a part to play in that. Here's the thing. If you picked up on it, Barnabas is looking for Paul again. He's organizing the Christians in Antioch and helping them develop community so that everyone feels like they belong because the need for us is strong. And then when he's done that, he goes looking for Paul. What happened? Where's Paul? You'll love this. The Jerusalem church receives Paul, but probably reluctantly. And then Paul is one of these guys that we might call a polarizing figure. He's controversial. He is a pot stirrer, or other terms that you might use for that. And I think, I am am speculating, I think the early Christians didn't quite know what to do with them. So they said to him, hey dude, um, we got a great idea why don't you go home and see your family in Tarsus? That's really far away. And just hang out there with them for a while and kind of learn and, and uh, you know, here's a gospel track and a Bible, and uh, we'll pray for you. And they send him away. Barnabas comes to Antioch. It's on the way to Tarsus. And when he's done in Antioch, he's like, where's Paul? And Barnabas, for the second time, Goes to find Paul because the other Christians weren't doing that great of a job making him feel like he belonged. Barnabas brings Paul back into the community. I want to ask this question what if Barnabas didn't do that? You may not be aware of this, but Paul became the dominant pillar in the early Christian movement. He started churches everywhere. He wrote most of our New Testament that we have. What if Barnabas didn't make the effort to go and find Paul? And it leaves me asking the question, who's missing that God is putting on your mind? That needs you to reach out to them because the need for us is so important now more than ever one more chapter chapter 15 the early Christian movement is growing and growing and growing and expanding and then something happens you see the early Christian movement started out with Jewish people it was the Jewish people who began following Jesus but they lived in a cosmopolitan world, much like we do today. And there were lots of other peoples that were non-Jewish. And these non-Jewish people started coming to faith. And the Christians who were Jewish were kind of like, we don't understand. How could this be? They're, they're not us. How could God possibly like these people enough to actually be working among them? They're, they're not like us. And, and it sounds trite and silly, But I think the the problems they had, humanity still wrestles with today. Who's allowed to be on the inside? And who should we keep on the outside? As individuals and in communities, we're going to struggle with this for as long as humanity is on this planet. And so the early church is having this, this council meeting An annual general meeting and at this annual general meeting they are trying to figure out who's allowed to be part of us and there's actually a lot of them arguing that if you are not jewish you can't play with us and there are at least two people that are there arguing for inclusion and one of them is who barnabas and paul Interestingly, when you read the book of Acts, it starts out Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul. And then at one point, it switches. Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. Paul becomes the dominant leader. Barnabas steps back and says, my work here is done. He belongs. And then he goes off to the next person that needs it. Barnabas is arguing for the church to include everyone And then in verse 22, when they finally agree with Barnabas and Paul and others, the church says, well, we need to let everybody know. So we're going to write a letter. And who do you think they send to deliver the letter? Barnabas. Because Barnabas is Mr. Hospitality. Barnabas is Mr. Hospitality. And I think hospitality is the antidote that we need in a world that is increasingly lonely. And when I talk about hospitality, I am not talking about the fact that we have coffee. I'm not equating hospitality with food. And by the way, if it was equated with food, then we need to have people from other cultures who are not white teaching us how to do hospitality. Because we give a coffee and a cookie and say, don't you feel welcome? I go to other cultures and ethnic groups and they like put on a whole meal. But I'm not saying that hospitality is about food. Hospitality is about making someone feel like they value and that they belong. And Barnabas was Mr. Hospitality. Hospitality opens doors, not just for people to feel like they belong, but it opens doors for us to introduce people to Jesus, the one that they really need to get to know, along with the rest of us. And this is what I think. If we don't come together and begin working at truly creating community and a sense of belonging like we have never done because we're reforming coming out of COVID as a, as a family. And if we don't come together and work on this sense of belonging, then we are missing the chance to be something that our region needs, a community that must and belonging for everyone. So you think how are we going to address this what do we do about this well today we're talking about this idea of developing your heart inviting God to develop your heart to be soft towards those that are new those that are not part of this community yet those that are on the margins those who are like Paul And that starts by making a small act, one step, one tiny sacrifice, and then another one, and then another one, with the idea of bringing people and saying, you matter to us. We want you here. You are important. You have value. And that takes intentionality. It doesn't happen on its own. So develop your heart. Train your eyes. See the needs that need to be seen. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Seeing the needs that need to be seen. And then tuning your ears to hear the unspokens and be listening as you're with people. And then preparing your mouth and talking about the power of encouragement. So, over the next three weeks, We're going to be looking at training our eyes, focusing our ears, preparing our mouths to create authentic community. And so I'm asking you this today would you consider, would you consider how you could be part of us and what it means for you to be a part of us? And just for today, just for today, would you have the courage? to go and talk to somebody that you don't normally talk to. And don't assume that somebody else is going to do that. Just for today, just for today, would you take a risk and swap phone numbers with somebody so you could meet up for coffee later this week? Which means somebody might come to you and talk and say, hey, let's, get, let's grab coffee, which means you would have to take the risk of saying yes. Just for today, would you consider that? Just for today. Would you linger? Don't run out the door as soon as the service is done? Because I think that there are people that need to meet you because you have something to offer. Just for today, if you're new, because you might think, oh, this is for the people that are here all the time. Just for today, if you're new, would you risk joining in? Put your radar on. Don't let people stand alone whether we're in a big group like this or in a small group of 10 people, if you're forming a circle with others, I'm going to tell you what it looks like from the outside. When you form a circle with others and you stand there, I'm, I'm literally, I'm not talking metaphorically, I'm talking physically. You're communicating, uh, we don't have time for you. Open up physically, and then that will help you open up metaphorically in your heart and your mind. And if you see somebody standing there on their own, have the courage to leave the people that you see all the time and make sure somebody knows they belong. Let's build authentic community. Because social clubs, social clubs are easy to make just gather with people who are just like you but true community takes effort to include and accept those who are very different than you and I'm convinced Jesus calls us to create community not social clubs and I think Jesus is calling us to live like Barnabas and become community shapers and life changers in his name. And I hope that you will take up that call today. Let's pray. Thank you so much for a guy named Joseph who was so good at hospitality that they nicknamed him Son of Encouragement. And God, we're not all wired like Like him, we know that. But in our own way, for each of us as individuals, who we are, would you give us courage? Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and mouths to speak and feet to move and hands to reach out to communicate to each other and to everyone that they belong because we recognize the power of us the need for it right now jesus thank you for how you're shaping us and moving us thank you for what's happening outside right now with people prepping for the carnival for the people prepping the food that is we're going to be enjoying in just a few minutes thank you so much thank you for the chance to be authentic community and to live out hospitality like a guy named barnabas Amen.